Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Well, it's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks in college football and especially this past you know weekend with all the debate uh, about the top four teams Florida State not part of the national semifinal you know over essentially a, a broken leg by their quarterback there's a lot to talk about with college football what's going on with the NIL it's just so much of course with USF and their situation with the stadium we're going to do all of that I've waited for this show uh, you can't miss it we're going to talk to Matt Baker, our uh, college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times. You read him on tampabay.com. This will be as good a discussion as you're going to hear on the topic. So Matt will be coming up here in just a minute. Uh, we'll start with this, however. Some bizarre stuff, man. Uh, kind of came down a little late on Wednesday evening. Really, this began Monday after the game when we talked to Todd Bowles about their win over Carolina and the fact that Chris Godwin had had zero catches in that game. He did have a, a touchdown run, which was very instrumental in the win, um, but he had three targets and, and no receptions, and that that was notable because, well, it's Chris Godwin. Uh, and, and sort of the, his decline in terms of his numbers has been happening really for several weeks, and we know that this is a guy that, uh, as John Gruden would say, he's a sore man. You know what I mean? He's kind of just a sore man. He's been sore everywhere. I mean, he had the double ligament damage uh, blown out of his knee, uh, you know, ACL, MCL, all that, uh, a little while back. Uh, played a season with that. Um, you know, he's had shoulder injuries, finger injuries. Like, there's just a lot, right? He's been beat up uh, pretty much throughout his career. And part of that is uh, the position he played in Bruce Arians' offense, playing that slot in there where he was, you know, in the run game so instrumental in blocking down on outside linebackers and, uh, you know, defensive ends and things like that. Uh, so he's done He's done a lot. Well, this year they decided to move him outside the hash marks, put him out there at receiver and, you know, let him use the boundary to protect himself a little bit more. He can still go inside and make some of those combat catches, but we need to preserve him somewhat because – he has. He's taken taken quite a quite a beating. Um, having said all that, when Todd Bowles was asked about Godwin not having a catch, uh, you know, we asked him on Monday. The answer he gave was curious, and it, it you know it, we all kind of looked at each other, and I'll, I'll be the first to say that it should, it should have been challenged right away, um, but it wasn't. Uh, but that's okay, and uh, you know we, we figured we'll have more opportunities, but what Todd Bowles said when he was asked about, you know, why there wasn't more receptions for Chris Godwin, whether he said, well, we were subbing him out a lot. Obviously, he's a little nicked up, so he's not fully, totally 100%. Nobody is, but he's probably banged up more than most. For him to get the, you know, the run, the, the, the touchdown for us, the touchdown run for us was huge for him. Uh, I think it helped him out a lot. It, it helped us out a lot. 
Uh, so it was good to see him get in the end zone. So the notion that they were subbing him out a lot. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Subbing him out to what? For how many plays? What are we talking about? Well, actually, Chris played 52 snaps. Okay, out of, I think there were 58 in the ball game. I want to say. So there wasn't any subbing out that was just different than normal. Uh, and if anything, he plays such a high volume of plays that that's, that's nothing. In fact, his average season average per game is 52 and a half plays. So you're only a half play off your season average. So that's not subbing a guy out. Okay. Um, but they indeed they've had trouble, you know, getting the ball. And and I maintain, and I could be wrong, but I'll watch the tape with people. I I don't think he's getting a lot of separation. Um, I think you know his ability to cut, stop. You know, how do you create space? You know, you create it by slowing down or speeding up, right? Um, by cutting or staying still. It just depends. Um, I think it's it's been a factor in, in his career. Uh, since, you know, post the knee injury, and then also the other injuries he's sustained since then. Chris throws his body around with reckless abandon. He's a very aggressive player, very physical player, uh, and he plays to win. He'll do anything to win. He will fight you tooth and nail. Uh, and that's that's sort of an admirable quality, actually. But there's also a, a price to be paid for that. Um, and so unchallenged as he was, uh you know, Todd Bowles wasn't really asked about it, except in the context of, hey, he's not, you know, Chris didn't give me, yeah, we got to make it a priority to get him the ball. Okay, fine. Flash forward to Wednesday evening, it came to our attention that underscore Mrs. 12, which is Chris Godwin's wife, she won an Instagram and she brought receipts. <laughs> I mean, uh, she first she posted Scott Smith's a summary of the quote that Todd Bowles had, Scott Smith being with Tampa Bay dot com. Uh and then she had the breakdown of plays that Chris has had this this year. And it it's stunningly the same. You know, um he plays over fifty plays a game. A couple games he played forty seven, forty one. But for the most part when the Bucks are, you know, in it and they have the ball, there was no difference. None between what he did in terms of his workload and what he would always do. I'm not sure why Bowles said what he said other than he didn't want to get into a, you know, sort of a contest where, you know, you're beating up the player. You know, Chris Godwin, well, he's not the same guy. Well, why is he get the ball? You know, and it's just easier to say, perhaps, and I'm speculating, I have not talked to Todd about this, maybe easier to say, well, he was nicked up, he was in and out. Well, you know who didn't like that answer? His wife, <laughs> his wife, Mariah, who's as sweet, as sweet of a woman. They're a great couple. They've been together since high school. Uh, she, her father was a high school football coach. Like this is a power couple like you, you've never met, right? Never a bad word about them is spoken, truly, and, and for good reason. These are two wonderful, wonderful people. So what I'm going to read you is a little bit out of context, I think, for what you would expect maybe from her. Um, but she came with the receipts and she ran week one through week 12, all the number of snaps that, that Chris got. And sure enough, uh, the average is 52. He got 52 on Sunday and, uh, that's just a point, you know, five 
less than what he normally gets. And then she wrote, I'm not sure why we're just blatantly lying here. L-Y-I-N-G. Regardless of how banged up Chris is, he continues to work his earth off, and he hasn't missed a game, continues to run great routes, and get open. I don't know why things are the way they are. This isn't my team to coach. But this lying on Chris and implying negativity on his work ethic is infuriating, right? Let's not act like he had to be subbed out so much more than usual when, in fact, he's been playing just the same, and she had the receipts to prove it. Whew, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, look, Todd Bowles has made many unforced errors at that podium in in his few years of being a head coach. Uh, we all know what they are. Uh, we've well documented them. He sometimes doesn't say exactly what he means, and he does shield it a little bit based on what's going on. Um, but it's a problem. You know, it's it's become a problem because... In in an attempt to sort of protect the guy and say, hey, lay off Chris. He's not quite right just yet. He's out there, but probably needs to be out there less, whatever. Um, You know, he he goes down and says stuff like, well, you know, he he was injured or he's been, he's kind of nicked up and we kind of had to get him out of the game and, and no. That didn't fly. Like, that's not what happened. So the first piece of advice I'd give you as, say, you know, uh, a media coach, if you will, would be tell the truth. It's pretty simple. That's what people want to hear. They want to hear the truth. And the truth is we targeted him three times. He didn't make any catches. And the ball didn't go to him because he wasn't open. What does that say about Chris? Well, he's got to pick it up. You know, uh, maybe maybe age is catching up to him. I don't know. You know, he's younger than than Mike Evans, that's for sure. Uh, but you can't tip a toe around this stuff, you know. And so now you have Chris Godwin's wife all upset. Uh, we haven't heard from Todd Bowles since this came out. Interestingly, Todd Bowles on you know on Wednesday sounded a little more conciliatory. I thought. Uh, and he simply said, without going into any detail, we've got to get the ball to him. We've got to find ways to get him the ball. Um, I can't tell you why it's dipped, meaning his production. If he's double covered, obviously we can't throw it to him. Certain things require us um, to go to other guys, you know, and uh, that Mike Evans has been playing well, but, you know, we've got to keep Mike where he's at, and we're going to have to bring Chris along. And so far, they have not, they have not brought him along. Um, again, I, I today we'll talk to Dave Canales, and he's going to have his say about why Chris isn't or can't or hasn't gotten open. Uh, and then maybe Chris will talk about his disenchantment with this offense, or maybe Canales, or maybe everybody. And then tomorrow or on Friday, it'll be a, a chance to talk to Todd Bowles again about all this. So they could have gotten in front of it and just made a one-day story. Now it's a three-day story. Um, it's tough. But, you know, his wife is very <laughs> upset. And I'm telling you, man, this this sort of thing, 
they've been salt of the earth with this organization, and I think the the feeling has been mutual. Um, so when you say I'm not sure why we are just blatantly lying here, it's a strong one, you know. And I, I I'm not going to prove it either way tonight, but um, it's on it's off it's off character for uh, for her, her or Chris Godwin to kind of be. It's unlike them to have any kind of beef at all with the Buccaneers. So, uh, you know, that's that's unfortunate, and we'll see what they have to say the rest of the week. All right, we got lots to talk about with college football. Matt Baker coming up in just a minute. But first, you know that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and the most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. This means that for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insurer, means your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is totally covered. Solar Insurer even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation in history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, I would say best time of the week. It's definitely the best time of the year, and I, there's just really a couple things to talk about with Matt Baker, who joins <laughs> us now, the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. He covers college football, or what was once a great sport. I, I don't know, Matt, where do you want to begin, but we'll begin at the beginning, uh, or perhaps the end for Florida State, and that is... You know, 13 faceless people got in a room and decided that an undefeated team wasn't worthy of playing for a national championship because their quarterback broke his leg. Explain. <laughs> well, um, I'll do my best. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this with this is not necessarily my opinion because you can yeah. see my AP ballot. This is, this is the explanation as best I can give it. All right. So it makes sense. If you remember what the committee's charge is, what their goal is, what their job is. And it's for best be, teams, right? It's for, the, best for best teams? teams. Okay. Correct. And it's the four best teams that will be available in the playoff, basically, is, is mm-hmm. what it boils down to. And they're supposed to take you know player availability into account. And that's, that's in terms of what happened in the past. Oh, you know, that uh, the Florida State game against Pitt, that wasn't great, but, you know, they were without their two-star receivers. So, you know, okay, maybe we can overlook that. But it's also in the future in terms of who's going to be available for the playoff. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Jordan Travis is not available. And the argument is that with Jordan Travis out, Florida State is not one of the four best teams. Because if we look back at, um, you know, what, 10 of the, the, the wins, um, Travis either, you know, Travis was there uh, in full capacity. And then you look at what happened since then, they're not the same team. Therefore... Uh, this Florida State team is not one of the four best. A- Alabama is instead, and therefore Alabama belongs. That's the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, now, where we get into issues is is lots of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, there's there's lots of things. I mean, 
here, here's, here's a couple and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go and we're going to, we're going to see where this ends up. Um, so one of them is Tate Rodemaker only played the Florida game and he wasn't bad. We, we talked about it. He, he, he didn't lose the game and did enough to keep his team competitive. The, the zero turnovers was a big deal. But then he was unable to play because, uh, against Louisville because he was still recovering. Correct, still recovering from that. So we're judging a lot on the Louisville game where Florida State was down to their number three quarterback. Now, if Tate had been able to play, maybe the offense looks better. Maybe we, as a college football zeitgeist or whatever, could say, you know what, Florida State is better, right? It, maybe the drop-off between Travis and Tate isn't so extreme as it is between Travis and Brock Glenn, if that makes sense. But unfortunately, Tate wasn't able to play. So therefore, we're putting a lot of stock in this game uh, against Louisville where they were down to their number three quarterback who wasn't going to be playing in the playoff anyway unless something else happened to Tate. So that's something we kind of have to wrap our head around. Um, One of the other things where I get hung up is if if we go by what the committee said, and, and honestly what I believe, uh, through North Alabama, Florida State was more impressive, better, whatever you want to call it, than Alabama. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing. That, that, that's what the committee's ranking said. And then it gets dicier when you're looking the last two weeks. Okay, so let's look at the last two weeks, Rick. Uh, Florida State beat Florida, I think it was by nine points in the Swamp. Not a very good Florida team. Bama beat Auburn on the road in another rivalry game. In a Hail Mary. Correct, against a team that's comparable to to Florida. So if if we're looking at those two side by side, the way I see it, they are either about the same. It's a wash. It's it's a wash, or honestly, the edge goes to Florida State because they won. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, it's not a negative to Florida State as I view them. No. So then to understand the committee's decision, you have to just look at the last game. And the last game was Florida State's defense being dominant, just unbelievable, holding an offense to negative yards in the fourth quarter for a second consecutive game, which is just an astounding stat I still haven't even wrapped my head around. They held a top 30, top 40 offense to, I think it was 188 yards. They won by 10 points. So let me just, let's just take everything out of this for a second. Now, I've been an AP voter for however many years now. Blind resume. You're looking at a team. Team X beat a top 15 team by two scores away from home. There is no scenario where that's not an impressive win. Absolutely no scenario where that's not an impressive win. Unless the top 15 team, all their guys are out with the flu or something like that, which, by the way, did not happen. So as I've tried to rationalize this and think about everything here— that has to be the worst good win in the history of college football, <laughs> is is what it boils down to. I, I mean, it just is because you're you're poo pooing a win over a top fifteen team for a conference championship by two scores at a neutral site, I, and I and I have a very hard time wrapping my head around that. Even if so, so I guess to kind of sum it up, and we can keep going, and I'm sure we will. To sum it up, you can agree with the idea that Alabama is one of the four best teams. That's a that's, that's totally fine. And if the, that's the committee's charge, that's what they're supposed to do, then they probably got it right. But you, we can have that in one hand. We can have that in our heads. And also think, if that's the committee's job, then the committee's job is stupid. It, it's, it's because what are we doing here? We're, we're ignoring, this isn't, you know, Florida State didn't have the greatest schedule ever, but they weren't playing a bunch of little sisters of the poor. 
They beat LSU by by three scores at a neutral side. They had a non-con game against Florida and won by two scores on the road. They played all the teams in front of them, and 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 they won them all. This wasn't a two, 2017 UCF, right, where they didn't have a lot of really good competition. This was not that. There's a bunch of NFL dudes on that on that team. Jared Versa is going to go get paid. Johnny Wilson's going to get paid. Keon Coleman's going to get paid. Braden Fisk, when I did my AP All-American ballot the other day, he was a, a second-team All-American in my mm. eyes because he, he was fantastic and on and on and on. So it, there's talent there. This isn't a, a fluke, but they didn't get it, and I understand why. But if this is the system that we have, then the system failed. It's not a good system. I have a number of, ca- of questions. <laughs> And in no in no particular order, but I do. Uh-huh. Uh, what was Florida State ranked after they won the ACC uh, championship? Was there a poll, or was it just straight to the to the tournament at that point? What were they ranked before the ACC? As yes, I should say. Uh, at, in the committee. Yeah. Yeah, they were four. So they dropped. They from were four fourth. To five. Okay, so they were fourth then. Okay, mm-hmm. and Georgia was the best team in the country. Hmm. Hmm. So how did Georgia go from one to what six? Yes. How's that happen? Um, like, there's a lot, like, and this has nothing uh-huh. to do with Florida State, but it's so arbitrary to me that it's like, you know, look, I have a big problem with this. Georgia got dropped because they lost to yep. Alabama. Yep. Okay, that was their problem. Okay, I'm trying to think of who else who else fell out of it. Oregon fell out of it because yep, they lost to Washington. Correct? Correct. Okay. Florida State fell out of it because a kid broke his leg. Correct. It's not the same thing. It's just not the same thing. Like, uh, you know, you're picking, you're picking a TV show. And look, there's always been subjectivity in, 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 in all the polling. That's what college football is. It's the great debate. I mean, we, we started this. We used to have split national champions because you had a UPI and an AP poll if you want to go back 100 years ago. Um, they didn't play at all. And everybody thought it'd be great if we could just have, you know, settle it on the field. Well, now you can't settle it on the field because Florida State did everything they possibly could on the field and they got left out as an undefeated team. I think a lot of this, because it's a TV show and because the semifinal games, there's been some blowouts like with, you know, TCU and others, um, they can't have that. They don't want that. That's not good enough. But really, why don't you just pick four teams at the start of the year that you'd like to see in the championship back in you know in, in January on New Year's Eve or whatever? Because it really it, you're you're just taking away the importance of a regular season in college football to me. If you're perfect, and there's lots of ways to win football games, Matt. You just said it. I mean that defense was was ridiculous, right? Yep. Um, I don't know what the percentage is that they could go in and and beat Michigan. You know, I, I don't think it would be great. But, I mean, listen, did they earn the right to play it? And I know in the bylaws it says they're going to consider everything, consider injuries, consider. I suppose that serves their purposes, right? But this is still sport. It's There still should be something decided between white lines. Um, and Alabama did lose a game to Texas, you know, and – Makes sense that that's why Texas would get in. And I know they beat Georgia, and it was a great win. Well, it turns out you beat the sixth best team in the country. Now, when you played them, they were number one, but the committee doesn't think much of them now. Right. But you won on a Hail Mary against Auburn. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know what you know what people will say when you say, "Yeah, but Alabama barely beat Auburn." Scoreboard, do they win? Mm-hmm. Scoreboard, it's all about winning whether you win or you lose, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently not. It wasn't Alabama's case when they beat Auburn because all that mattered was they won, but they won on a hell. It doesn't matter. They won. Well, did what about Florida State? They they try to say that we didn't lose any games, and you're saying it does matter because you didn't win the way you should win because you don't have your quarterback who got hurt. That to me, I I can't. I just my head explodes with that. I'm just thinking of these players and Mike Norvell and what does he you know. So what does he tell his team? What does the ACC do? Like, there's so many ramifications to this. You know what I mean? That like, no, no oh. I, I laugh because this this has been what I have been doing since about twelve fifteen on Sunday. <laughs> so, so just to, just to I, take I mean, any of those you want and go. Yeah. Oh, I got. I wrote down notes. Um. So <laughs> just to show you, if if it wasn't clear, I was. Su- I was very surprised by this. Did I know it could happen? It was a possibility. Yes, Always we, a possibility, we yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about it. But did sure. I think it would happen? No. So let me let me paint the picture here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I get like five hours of sleep on Saturday night, Sunday morning, and I get up early and I do my, my AP ballot and I head to the airport. So I've got time to, to finish kind of pre-writing a Florida State is in, mm-hmm. Florida State is out story. Because right? that's what we do. do. Yeah. Correct. So I'm at gate, I think it was B12 at the Charlotte airport, and I got my headphones on, and I'm watching this. And I've got to think, okay, which one do I think is more likely? Because I've got to <laughs> copy that, so I'm, so I'm ready to paste it into our uh-huh. file and hit, and hit publish. Yeah. So I had the Florida State is in story ready. That's the one that I well, control. You, so. you bet on that one uh, in, the, in the airport terminal. Okay. Yes, and then it was wrong. And there were, there were audible gasps from the, the, the people around me, you know, watching <laughs> at the, the bar or whatever. And I'm like, okay. Control delete, uh, <laughs> copy the other one, paste, and then mm. you know, if Florida, just from our perspective, if Florida State's in, the story is really easy. Oh, they're in for the first time since 2014. They're getting ready to play Michigan, and yeah. you need to know. But the it's the ramifications from this that that follow. I mean the um, the ACC aspect. It's if we want to talk about what could Florida State have done differently. Uh, I mean, put Jordan Travis's leg in bubble wrap. Like you, you can't. Yes, I mean, yeah, you, you can't do that. That's Football. Not a, yeah, it's the the other. Here's one potential ramification for the future. Um, Florida State was pretty transparent about what happened. Like they never said, you know, Travis is day to day. They never said he's week to week. Um, yeah. What if they went? That's a great point. What if they went down that line and said, "Hey, yep. we're we're hopeful he can play." Yep. Which. Anybody with eyes would say that's not yeah. His happen, foot was but, turned the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, but but they they could have said they that, could have right? said it. Yeah, and, and made sure that Travis didn't put stuff out there, and, and they could yeah. have tried. You could do that. Here's mm-hmm. another scenario where if Florida State knows going into the ACC championship game, all right, we have to win convincingly, and our offense has to look good to do it. Okay, uh, do they think twice about making sh- trying to get Tate Rodemaker cleared if he's even if he's not ready? Absolutely. And then you're putting that guy at risk. At risk, yeah. They did the right thing again and got punished. Correct. And I'm not saying Florida State would, but that's something that somebody would have to, might want to think about, Um, just a a general point here. So that's some of those things. Um, The the conference, I think, and I wrote this uh, on TampaBay.com, I think the ACC, to some degree, let Florida State down, where if you start looking at Florida State's non-conference schedule, or excuse me, Florida State's overall strength of schedule, 
somewhere between 40 and 50 points, you know, lower down than, than Alabama's. And, and again, it's not because Florida State didn't try. They, you know, they played LSU. They, they scheduled. They played Florida, mm-hmm. um, and then they they played a G five and an FCS like everybody. So it, it's not that. Their issue is the ACC wasn't good. And, and it's not just that Clemson wasn't what we would expect. But, um, I mean, go on down, right? Virginia Tech is supposed <laughs> to be a really good program. Where they go 6-6 six and six and lost to Marshall and Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, Boston College is, at least should be respectful. They lost to Northern Illinois. Um, you look at uh, Miami. If Miami doesn't, you know, if Miami learns how to kneel the ball against Georgia Tech, Maybe that win looks a little bit better and boosts the strength of schedule. Uh, and, and on and on down the list, that's what let him down. You know, Wake Forest losing Sam Hartman, the quarterback, to Notre Dame. Uh, Pitt being unable to get a quarterback. Like, that's the stuff that made their strength of schedule worse. And that's an ACC issue. So I have to wonder, as we look at this down the line in terms of what does Florida State want to do with the ACC? How quickly can they get out? How do they get out? To me, this is a pretty big negative in the stay in the ACC column, right? Oh yeah, because it is. They, they 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 did it. They they won the conference. They did literally everything they could do, and it wasn't enough in part because the ACC wasn't good enough. So that's something we're going to have to watch. Two, two other two other things that you hit on that I want to circle back to. Uh, you mentioned Georgia, and I'm glad you did because uh, Georgia was one of the best teams all, all year. I think I had them in the top three or four the entire time. And then as, as the season got on and they started playing people, you knew this was a great Georgia team. Can you tell me with a straight face that Georgia is a worse team than Florida State? It, the, the current iteration Not of a chance. State. Not a so, chance are they worse. So, no. so how is Florida State above Georgia? Like it if, makes if no gonna, sense. If we're going to drop Florida State based on who they are, and again – there's different conversations here, but if we're looking at who would play if they met tomorrow at Lando Lakes High School, the, the Georgia team that played Alabama or the Florida State team that played Louisville, I would take the Georgia team, and I think most people would. So how do you justify Georgia being below Florida State? I don't think you can. Mm. And that, that's kind of the mental gymnastics that we have to kind of do if we're looking at the committee. And then the other thing is is obviously this is all about you know, it's the strength of schedule and it's Jordan Travis getting hurt. Um, one of the interesting things that the committee does is they rank one through 25, right? It's, it's, it's all these teams in here and they're having to look at different teams and, you know, we like this about team X and that about team Y and, but there are some similarities. One of which is SMU's starting quarterback suffered a season ending injury late in the year. So they had to play a backup to win a conference championship. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. So SMU did that. And there was a conversation whether SMU or Liberty should be the top group of five champion, which is relevant because that's the one that goes to the festival. And they decided that Liberty would be ahead of SMU, which, okay, that's a perfectly fine thing. Even though Liberty has a lower strength of schedule, they went undefeated and won their conference, which again, sounds familiar. My point here is the committee was asked about Liberty versus SMU, and they said that SMU's the injury to SMU's quarterback wasn't really a factor in making the decision to have them below Liberty. And they were cool putting Liberty ahead of SMU, even though their strength of schedule was not as strong as SMU's. So, like, there's... That we're having to twist our logic around because what applied to Florida State and Bama didn't apply to Liberty and SMU. 
And I, believe me, I get it, right? Like I, I do my rankings every Sunday morning with my Cheerios, my coffee, and, and my, my notepad and, and college football final on. So I know that what applies to Team X does not work for Team Y because they're, they're different, right? Different strengths, different weaknesses, different schedules. But it's, it's still hard to kind of wrap your head around all of it where there's what applied in one instance, very similar circumstances don't apply in the other. Because they make it up as they go. It's simple as that. <laughs> And and, I, and I'm telling you, here's the other thing I thought about, and I know you've written about this too, uh, and, and will continue to. What's the damage to Florida State? And you know, forgetting the fact that they're in the ACC and maybe they get out and all that stuff. But I'm a kid that wants to play for a national championship, and I've just been told that one injury away, and my team isn't good enough. So you know what? I may lose players. And obviously, I've lost a ton of money, but I may lose players as a result of this. You've damaged my brand. You've you've damaged the brand. You've damaged recruiting because I am exactly a thousand percent sure on the recruiting trail. Curry, They're using that against them like nobody's business. Exactly. Um, yeah. So there's that. There is the monetary loss to Florida State and the ACC. Huge the monetary loss to I forget what Mike Norvell would have gotten with a playoff, oh. board, but it's significant. Sure. Um, there's a monetary loss to Tallahassee, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, you know, the Seminole Athletics. Um, the, some politicians have argued there's a monetary loss for the players involved as well, which I, I don't think is crazy, right? Where if no. they're in if they're in the playoff, maybe the exposure NIL, NIL yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a lot in here, and like it's you know somebody was asking me earlier today about like lawsuits and what have you, and because you know politicians are saber rattling and that's that's not a republican democrat statement by the way everybody's doing it it's it's what they do um so you know there is some politicking and questions about the lawsuits but like nothing can be done because it it, at the end of the day i think it's quite clear that i disagree with it with what was done even though i can logically in my head understand why they did it and that's kind of the, the the crux of this from the legal thing is to me i can't argue with a straight face that what the committee did was so outrageous so capricious so outside the, the realm of what the the rules are and what should be that florida state was was clearly wronged here we it, i think it falls under the argument the, the category of reasonable people can disagree and because of that, I don't think that Florida State has a leg to stand on in terms of the legal thing, you know, the the lawsuits and what have you. So I think it's just it's just an unfortunate situation. And and, and really, it's to, to kind of go back on one thing. This is the system's fault. Like we can blame the committee for for making this decision, and and that's fine. You know, you can blame Bill Hancock, the executive director, if you want, and one of the nicest guys in the world. Sure, blame whoever you want, but it's the system because. If I explain to my, to my kid, okay, buddy, there's five major conferences and there's four playoff spots. The, the math doesn't math, mm. right? Like, mm. well, hold on here, carry the one. Uh, it seems like one team is going to not make it. What are why why in what world did that make any sense? And the world was, you know, the the idea that. Uh, Oh, we got to protect the Bulls and the integrity of that. Nobody wants a playoff anyway, and this, that, and the other. So let's figure out a way to expand it. 
that's the way it worked because if anybody this goes back to my campaign to be the minister of common sense anybody with a brain would look at this and say so you have five big conferences why don't we make sure all of them get a birth and then there's one at large one at large three at larges makes too much sense Correct, and and, mm-hmm. and there's going to be issues in the expanded playoff too. Like I, I was mentioning the Liberty SMU scenario earlier. Mm-hmm. Is who goes to the Fiesta Bowl? That's a big deal for them. Great. Is that the end of the world? No, it's not. But if that scenario happens next year with a 12 team playoff, then you're either talking about excluding the top group of five conference, which is probably the American this, this year. Or excluding a 13-0 Liberty team, which to me would be not good. Because, again, we're talking about Florida State going undefeated, not making the playoff. What if they determined that SMU was better than Liberty and Liberty is 13-0 and and doesn't get to sniff it? Is that what's best for the sport? I don't think so. So we're going to have issues when this expands anyway. It's just a matter of the issues will be not as extreme as a program with three national championships a blue blood big name program going 13 and 0 winning a major conference and then getting left out on the final weekend because of an injury it, it you know and i also i i wonder too um take michigan and their quarterback or any it, had there been an injury to a significant quarterback or player we'll we'll do apples to apples if on the last play of their conference championship, Alabama loses its court. Well, Alabama had a loss, but Michigan loses its quarterback. Sure. Are we saying Michigan's not in? I don't think that's the case. Why? Well, they're a tough defensive team that runs the football. Look, there's ways to win games, and that's what team is to me, right? That I mean, there's – it's not the same league, but in the NFL, they didn't just tell the Philadelphia Eagles to go home because Carson Wentz was done and he was playing Tom Brady and they had no chance. So let's go find another NFC team here. Nick Foles went on and won the Super Bowl. So I get it. Like, yes, you're a lesser team. And yes, you lost, you know, a Heisman candidate um, turned out not to be uh, in the end. But, you, you, you know, we know that they're a diminished product. But aren't you supposed to play the games, man? And they were a diminished product on offense, but they but not on figured, defense. Not on the defense played better. I thought it. I thought it rose. I to did the too. Occasion. And that's and, what and team North, is. Correct. I, I, exactly right. And, and I, I buy a. I'm buying a lot into the Mike Norvell stock. I really am. And I think I, I hate the word culture. I hate that idea. But yeah, I see it's it. you played. Can, you yeah. Can, but you can see it there. Like I can tangibly see how that works and how that plays out. And the fact that you know the heart and soul of that team gets knocked out, but everybody, you know, the, the steps running game up. gets better and the defense steps up. That's and, right. You know, Florida State's you know playing and not looking great offensively, and then they're like, you know what? What if quarterback this isn't working? Let's put our running back and do the wildcat stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's just figuring it out. That's, that's right. Really good. That's really good coaching. And, you know, spoiler, I haven't published this yet, but um, I'm writing here in the next day or two about why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm voting a couple of coach of the year things. Mike Norvell was my number one choice because, I mean, in a sentence, he won the ACC with a third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all the stuff along the way with how they got better just about every game and statistically from the first quarter to the second, second to third, third to fourth. Mm-hmm. That's 
that's coaching. That's, you know what, this isn't working. Let's figure it out and let's do this instead. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, again, we're, it, no, our quarterback's not doing great. Let's put more on the run game and we're going to do this wrinkle and that wrinkle. And it works. And that's what made that team so impressive. And I think that's why it, why it's more distressing. Um, and honestly, I don't think it's good for college football when a team that figures it out and does what they did gets left out. I don't think that's good for anything. I don't, I don't either. And I, I, you know, listen, I, I can appreciate, and there's never been much of a pretense, but some pretense that, you know, these people, whoever they are, are going to act in their own best interest, which is money, um, ratings, popularity, all that stuff. It, it's always been that way. Um, but they just forgot about the purpose of playing, which is it's sport. You know, it, it, it doesn't have to be pretty. Um, and it's hard if you're Mike Norvell to stand up there in front of any team and say, guys, if we sacrifice for each other, uh, if we don't let this obstacle stop us, we can still reach our goals. We can still win this game. We can beat our rival at Florida. We can win the ACC. You know, we might have to do it a different way, but that's the gamesmanship. That's the game within the game. You know, sometimes you play field position. Sometimes you do something different. And you do gadget got, plays, right? Like, absolutely. It, yeah. Wow. I mean, there's ways, right, of scoring or or maybe scoring on defense or, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the game. Right? And, and that's played by players, not by guys and girls in a boardroom um, trying to, to determine – you know, that this is bad TV and we shouldn't do this. I, I I just have a big problem because I know the sacrifice that these student athletes, and I guess they still go to school so I can call them that, but these student athletes <laughs> um, go through and it, it just seems like to have it taken away because one player, through no fault of his own necessarily, got hurt in a in a collision sport where people do get hurt. Plenty of quarterbacks get hurt. Um, and they talked about the Ohio State example where their third-string quarterback won a national championship. Like, there's tons of evidence that teams aren't just one player, even though it is a quarterback, even though it is somebody as, as, as important as, as Travis. But it, it just it really hit, hit home to me that, like, wow, they just got hosed. Like, that, there was no other way to say it. I understand why they did it, but I hate that they still did it. Um, and I, I wouldn't care if Michigan beat them by 40. I, I really feel like you have to earn your way there, and I thought Florida State did, um, and, and then some because they had to earn it without their top player, you know? And, and, and it, they, they, they won their last game was a 10-point, a double-digit win over a top 15 team at a neutral right. site. I cannot, I cannot for the life of me get past that, Rick. Right. Because it's, was their offense good? No, it wasn't. But their defense was freaking awesome. But if let's just and, say if, if if Travis does quarterback, it probably looks better and it's probably a bigger victory, maybe. But let's just say he quarterbacks and they still win by fifteen. What's the difference? What just what what really just happened here? It, Style it, it points. Did, yeah, it is, and, and it's you don't have a reason not to get him to put exactly. It in, I think is what it boils down to. Is it's in a situation like that. And I know this a little bit just because of, of my time as a voter. You're 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 nitpicking and you're looking at you know you're you're you're, you're nitpicking and you have sometimes you have to look for a reason not to put someone there. Sure, you do rather than to put them there because you're, you're it's comparable teams and I think and that was the clear reason not to. 
and I get it, but it still sucks. And, and the the thing we haven't talked about yet, even Jordan Travis's tweet, oh, where, heartbreaking. Yeah, where he says, "I wish I had broken my legs earlier, sooner." So they know, so they know that it, this team is more than just one guy. Like, oh. I, I, again, I'm I'm at gate B twelve or whatever, and I see that I'm like, and your heart just sinks. Just just as a human being, yeah, no person should have to feel that way. And I mean, obviously that speaks a lot to his character and that um, that's the way his mind would go. And, you know, he said that he was sorry. Nobody blames him. I I think everybody in college football realizes that that just sucks for him. But that's it's unfortunate that that's the way it went. But he will always be the answer to that question. Right, like he will always be the 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 trivia question answer. You know, who was the quarterback that cost Florida State a chance to play for a national championship when they went undefeated? And it was it's him. And he, you know, again playing the game. That's that is the game. And you know, to put the guy in that position, like I said, there are reasons why other teams didn't make it. Georgia lost to Alabama. Florida State didn't make it because a kid broke his leg. It's not the same thing. And, and, and it should be it, treated as such. Correct. And then, too, we have to remember who Jordan Travis is in this, and where it's 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 awful that this is part. I don't want to even say it's part of his legacy, but it's part of his story, and that's unfortunate. The struggle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so everything. You know, Jordan Travis. I've said this. I think he's he. If Florida State does what I think they're going to be able to do moving forward, which is be back, be an elite program where they're regularly making the playoff okay let's let's set the bar there um then jordan travis will be remembered as one of the most transformative players in the history of the program ron like ron simmons like charlie ward Dion, mm-hmm. he will yeah. be in that pantheon because yeah. he was the guy who more than anybody else in this norvell era turned it around and made it work was he the only one no he was not but he was he was the the main guy. If I have to pick one other than Norvell, so it absolutely sucks that this is part of his story. Where some people will remember him as the guy who broke his leg and 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 cost his team a championship, rather than the guy who, more than anyone else, got his team in position to be there in the first place. Because that that's how I'm going to remember Jordan Travis. And that's it's a shame that it's it's even a uh, near the top of his Wikipedia page uh, at this moment because he accomplished so much, like you said, and he was transformative. Um, you think of where Florida State was uh, after Norvell arrived and and where they should have been, which is playing for this, and it's it's just awful. Well, what we can and will and probably continue <laughs> to talk about this for years and years, and um, unfortunately. Uh, we got other stuff to just uh, hit on real quickly here before I let you go. And, of course, we'll get into, you know, down the road, uh, the four teams that did make it and how you think those teams match up. Maybe some bowl stuff, too, later on as well. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But I wanted to ask you... Um, First about uh, 
just this USF stadium thing, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I was a little surprised <laughs> would be the word that they, they dropped an architect, an architect after, you know, obviously choosing one. And I would think spending a good deal of money. And then the next thing I know, they have a whole new stadium plan. Only now it's going to be pushed back to 2027. What would be the cost, not necessarily in dollars and cents, but for that delay? So this is complicated. I'll try and make it as simple as I can. Um, what they did, is they had what was called a design-build agreement, where they had a, a contract with this con- uh, construction company called Barton Mallow. Mm-hmm. And Barton Mallow then had a contract with Populous and other groups. Okay, gotcha. So th- they were working with the construction company who would then work with other people. And that was the way this was going to work. And then as they went forward, it, the, the advantage to this plan is it's faster. So if your goal is to... Sure build as quickly as possible. This is one way that you do it. And it became apparent during the process as they were designing it. Okay, we're going to need this much steel. We're going to need this many switch Mm -hmm. boxes, whatever it is. They're not going to be able to get this stuff in time. They would have to order a lot of that stuff way in advance before they have, you know, up to 75% completion of the design stuff is is when you typically do. So you have to order it ahead of time just because the global supply chain is still backed up. So as they went forward, they said, you know what? We would have to order it ahead, way too far ahead of time. That's more risk, more money than we are willing to, ch- to take. So we're going to try something different. So they went to this different plan called construction management. And what's going to happen here is they're still working with Populous, which is one of the top couple design, uh, stadium design, s- sports design, architecture companies out there. And they're still working on the next phase of the design stuff. And then here in the next couple of weeks, they're going to uh, start putting out bids for the construction companies. Who's actually going to put the shovels in the ground and put the cranes up and actually build it? And that's what's going to be coming here in the next couple of months. So the the idea of them uh, delaying the project by a year, that's just because of the there's they can't get the stuff fast enough. And I should mention, too... Um, Initially, the kind of timeline for this was 26 or 27. And Michael Kelly, the AD, at one point said, oh, 27 might be a good time. And then the board of trustees pushed for 26. Then they became that became the thing to the point where, you know, that, that's what they were saying when they were at the, like, the board of governors meeting here a couple months ago. So it became 26, and then now it's like that's not going to work, so it's 27. So that's kind of what happened at the meeting in terms of the, like, nitty-gritty stuff stuff that's going to matter to the average fan here. Um, but they also, you know, this is a podcasting, of course, a visual medium, but they released some renderings the other day too, mm-hmm. which is the first time they've done that in a while. So you can kind of get a feel for what it might actually look like. But again, this is a very rough thing still here because they're still designing it. They don't know what all, you know, how we're going to make this work. They're still figuring that stuff out. And, that's one of the advantages for this new kind of approach that they're taking as well, as it was explained to me, where the older way of doing it, hey, we want this part designed in purple. They would, so they would tell the construction company, hey, make, try, make it look at purple. And then the construction company would tell the design company. Design company would make it purple, and then give that to the construction company and give that to USF. <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's some passing around here. And the new way is, they would be able to just call populace, hey, do this, but make it purple. Mm. Oh, okay, well, here's what it looks like in this purple. Oh, well, let's try this in lavender. You, you get my point, right? Yeah. So this, there's going to be a little bit more, it's 
uh, easier access and easier communication to design all the little details here, which is what Michael Kelly was saying the other day when he was saying that this is going to be by USF for USF. So that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. And, you know, it's still moving along on the tracks. I still feel confident it's going to happen more, certainly way more so than, than I would have a few years ago, but you know, it's just going to be a, a little bit later than what they were saying a few months ago. What I gathered from all of this was that USF is changing to purple. I think is, is what you're yep, saying. Th- that's the news. Yep. We decided to <laughs> bury that 40 well, minutes into a podcast. Speak, speaking of, uh, of transfers, uh, we're going to get in the transfer portal. I guess if there's a good, another good sign for USF, it's that they're going to the Boca Bowl, Boca Raton Bowl, mm-hmm. um, against Syracuse. And it looks like Byron Brown might be actually the, be the quarterback. So is that a surprise in and of itself in that, at least for now, they've kept him out of the transport portal? Um, I don't know if I would call it a surprise just because I didn't have a good read on it one way or the other. I, I legit, Either one would have I could have seen happening. Yeah. Um, so I want to pause here briefly. Um, yes, you know, as of now, Byron Brown is not in the portal. Uh, he's scheduled to talk to reporters on Friday. Okay. Um, but I would caution with anybody. This is not Byron Brown. This is not USF. But we're, here's how I'm approaching my job right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just like when I write a recruiting story, I always say oral commitments are non-binding until That's true. players sign yeah. during their senior yeah. year. That's how I feel about college football rosters right now. Mm-hmm. Is everybody is there until they are not? Until they're not. I mean, yeah. Shoot, was was it a year and a half ago? I was at a uh, you know as the first spring practice at Florida, and we were talking to Emory Jones about why he chose to stay. And then three days later, he's in the portal. Four days later, whatever it was. So exactly. it, that's the caveat I'm going to have to start making as we have these conversations. And that's a broad caveat, too. But um, so back to Byram, uh, it certainly looks like he's going to stay. And the portal as a whole, I find, I mean, it's drinking through a fire hose right now, where you look at all of the players that are in it and in particular the quarterbacks right you got kyle mccord from from ohio state blows me away i mean just stop there for a second blows me away like i can see guys leaving because maybe they're not going to be the starter or they don't like the coach or the program they think they can improve it's ohio state man like is this a brian day thing is this that he's going to the nfl like everybody's going to negatively recruit on that idea but i don't or is this just what we're going to find now particularly at that position where guys are going to bounce around until they find the place they're most comfortable. I think it's, I don't have any insight, like any real unique insight into the Ryan day part. Yeah, no, I understand but I do, that. But I do think this is kind of the way it's going to be. And like with, with McCord in particular, he got a lot of crap from fans and maybe he he's did. saying, you know what? I need to hit the reset button. And maybe. if so, I don't blame him. Um, could also be, uh, I'm not happy here for any number of normal 20-year-old things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, it wouldn't be crazy if he's like, you know what, I'm not getting paid enough. I want to I see what the market is because that's I think I can make yeah. more money elsewhere. Be a free agent, yeah. Right, and, and that's what a lot of players can and are doing. It's, it's happened in the last cycle, um, and it, I, it, I'm sure it is happening now. And again, as you look at the all the quarterbacks in the portal, I mean, DJ Uyunglele from Oregon State is looking around. And Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, and Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, and Will Howard from Kansas State, and on and on and on and on. And and to bring it back to USF, 
I honestly think all of that stuff is good for USF because I think the supply of is really large. good college yeah. correct. So mm-hmm. that kind of drives down some of your money in terms of what the, the value is, and that mm-hmm. might help USF. Because um, the, the concern from USF fans I've heard before is, oh, you know, we're just going to have great players. They're going to develop, and they're going to leave. You know, Jimmy Horn and Brian Batiste and Xavier Weaver, that's what they did. Oh, this is, this is what we're going to be. Well, not necessarily, because obviously USF has a collective and can make money on the NIL stuff. It's, it's the culture. It's the coaching staff. All, all of those things are, are factors here. But in terms of what they cannot control is the market in terms of who else is available and what's the value for them. And I think the market that we have seen thus far in the first few days of this portal period, I think that is a positive, a net positive for USF because if there's a greater supply, then it makes it less likely that the demand for Byron Brown or another group of five quarterback, however good they, they might be, there's more supply out there than the demand goes down. It's absolutely insanity what college football is right now, man. I I try to I, I love the sport. I love the pageantry. So much to enjoy. You know, uh, we're we watched the other day. What was the final Pac-12 game? It doesn't seem real. Uh, and both those teams were excellent. And one is going to the national championship semifinal. And that just doesn't seem possible. That there's I, I'm I'm flummoxed to say the very least about it. But hey, that's why. Uh, that's why you cover this crazy sport, man. It gives you something to write about. Anyway, it, it it does. There's there's so much. I I have not monitored the portal as well as I should have the last couple of days because I've been knee deep in in other things. But I, I'm glad you mentioned Washington. Just there's a couple other things here before we head out. Sure. Um, Washington obviously going to the Big Ten. If you you know one of the ACC components to this is. Look at who's in the playoff, right? It's Michigan, it's Washington, so current Big Ten, future Big Ten. It's Texas and Bama, future SEC, current SEC. Look at all the other teams that are in New Year's Six Bowls. Aside from Florida State, which had to get in because they're the ACC champion, and aside from Liberty, which you know the top group of five champion has a spot, every other team is current or future SEC slash Big Ten. It's we've talked about how there's going to be a power two. Um, I don't know how you can look at it's the here results. now. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. And the two the two closest ones that almost made the New Year uh, the New Year Six Bowls was Oklahoma and LSU. They were the next two. So again, future SEC, current SEC. So it's it is wild that the Pac-12 is dying, um, but that is where we are, and we're going into more of this power two, and we'll see everything that that entails later. But we, we got to mention Penix here, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Washington quarterback, just because he's, look, he's the, the first guy from the Tampa Bay area, as best we can tell, that's ever been a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. That is a very, very cool accomplishment. And, and Joey Knight and I are working on a couple of things with that. But we, we, we have to acknowledge that just because uh, that's a huge accomplishment for the area, obviously a great accomplishment for him and his family and Dade City and Tampa Bay Tech and all the people connected to him. Um, and as he's you know, clearly cemented his case as one of the top couple players this area's ever had. And good for him for that. Yeah, no, I listen, it, it's a great story, and it's local. And, you know, uh, I, I'm going to be intrigued by what happens to him when he leaves college football because he's one of the more accurate players 
throwers I've seen and, and just, you know, has a terrific stroke with that left hand of his, but he's also undergone a lot of injuries in throughout his career. And that's, that's going to be a factor when they start poking and prodding. But I was really impressed with Washington's win. Cause I thought Oregon was a more physical team. Not that day. Mm-mm. Nope. No, Washington took it to him, man, in every way you can. And those two games, both those games were the most entertaining college football games. I think I watched all year. I, I sit there and watch those two teams play each other over and over again. And, um, I'm and not sure think, you get get the same result you did this year, but no, I'm not sure either. But and to think if this had happened like a year or two ago, mm. it's completely different. You know, where yeah. there would be so much more interest in the Pac-12, the ratings would have been better, the the market value would have been there, and it, things could have gone differently. But yeah, it's I mean, there's so much luck involved in this sport, right? Like good luck and bad luck, you know. It, Sometimes your player gets hurt. Sometimes the other guys do. Sometimes your quarterbacks all hit at the same time. Sometimes the other guys do. And, and you know, unfortunately, it broke the wrong way for the Pac-12 and uh, and led to this situation. But it is a heck of a way to go out, man. Yeah, it really is. It's the old, how did it happen slowly at first and then all at once? <laughs> Whatever. Slowly then suddenly. It, yeah. Uh, just crazy, crazy stuff. Well, good stuff from you. And of course we'll have more opportunity to talk about these games and break them down. I, I do think it's going to be, uh, some really interesting, hopefully, uh, contested semifinals that will be coming up here before long. And of course, lots of bowl games, including one right here in Tampa. That's going to be my wife's Wisconsin Bazard Badgers for goodness sakes. Um, so that's that's kind of cool, but yeah, we'll have we'll have plenty of time for that. Matt, try to get more than five hours sleep. I know it's tough with what we do. Uh, that seems like you're bragging for, personally, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a, a crazy couple of weeks here, and we appreciate you joining us. Check them out on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Matt. Sure, thanks, Rick. All right, we'll be back at it out there at One Buck Places. The Bucks prepare for a very very important maybe. This is for the season game at Atlanta on Sunday. Have a chance to talk to Dave Canales. Have a chance to uh, talk to more players uh, about that matchup and how they're going to atone for their previous loss. Atlanta has not lost in the NFC South. Uh, the Bucks could be tied for the division lead after Sunday. Or if they lose to them, they will be not only two games back, but also Atlanta will have the first tiebreaker, which makes it nearly impossible for them uh, to win the NFC South. So that's how big this game is on Sunday. And we'll have a chance to talk to you guys about that tomorrow on Sports Day Tampa Bay. My thanks again to Matt Baker for breaking it all down. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.